0: today. So peace, what exactly is it and how do we get to it? Peace, the definition of peace is a state of wholeness and completeness. So in this day and age, it seems almost impossible to get to peace. With everything that's going on, um, peace is hard to come by these days. And we're entering a season now that says peace on earth. Peace on earth. It starts with us. As Christians. Peace should be a major part of our everyday life. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, he says, "'Peace I leave with you. "'My peace I give to you. "'Not as the world gives do I give. "'Let not your heart be troubled, "'neither let it be afraid.'" So the peace the world gives is a very different peace than the one Jesus gives. So Gill's Exposition Commentary puts it this way. The peace Christ gives is true, solid, and substantial. The peace the world and the men and the things of it give is a false one and while they cry peace peace sudden destruction is at hand. The peace of the world is at best but an, ex- an external one. But the peace Christ is the giver of is internal. The peace the world affords is very transient, unstable, and short-lived. But the peace of Christ is lasting and durable. The peace peace of the world will not support under the pressures and under the troubles of it. But the peace which Christ gives cheerfully carries his people through all the difficulties and exercises of this life. And as these differ in kind, so likewise in the manner of giving and in the person to whom they are given. The world gives peace in words only, Christ in deeds. The world gives fiendly, Christ heartily. The world gives for its own advantage, Christ for his people's sake. The world gives its peace to the men of it, the ungodly, and none to the godly whom it hates. Christ gives his not to the wicked, for there is no peace to them, but to the saints, the excellent in the earth. The peace the world gives is based on distraction and blindness and lies, and uh, Jesus' peace is a heart untroubled, and unafraid in spite of conflict and circumstances. So if peace has already been given to us, why are we allowing worry, anxiety, depression, stress, and fear to overcome us when we have the power to overcome them and be in peace? Every fear has already been stripped by the blood of Jesus. It's been stripped of its power. We need to keep our minds free, peaceful, and full of faith. Resist the temptation to fall into depression and sadness the same way we would resist the temptation to fall into sin. Okay? So just before I continue here, I just want to mention that if uh, if you are under a doctor's care and suffering from any kind of a mental disorder, um, uh, chemical imbalance, organic disorder, whatever that may be, stay under your doctor's supervision. Take what I'm about to teach here and implement that into your life with what your doctor is giving you and telling you to do okay our mental health is extremely extremely important and we need to keep it healthy okay so you can implement this you can operate in faith and be under a doctor's care at the same time all right okay just to put that out there so how do we achieve peace we often don't even know where to look well the psychologist will tell you to look within The opportunist will tell you to look around. The optimist will tell you to look ahead. The pessimist will tell you to look out. (laughs) But God says look up. Look to that which is above. Romans 5 verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now you have to have peace with God before you can have peace from God, okay? To have peace with God, you will need to repent, you will need to confess, and you will have to be in faith. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Mm -hmm. But you're saying, I do believe, and I still don't have peace. The devil's always tempting me and never leaving me alone. Well, have you ever read anywhere in the Bible that you have to have peace with the devil? Were we ever to make peace with the flesh? The day you accepted Christ, the battle began between flesh and spirit. The flesh will never agree with the spirit, and the spirit will never, ever contradict the word of God. There is no promise that we would have peace in this world. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. The Lord never said we would have peace with sin. Sin should sting and you should hate it. And the more hatred of it, the better. And if you hate sin, you absolutely cannot have any peace with it. So let's go to Philippians chapter four, and I'm gonna start in verse four. So rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I know we've all heard that one before. So I have nine points of direction to get you to the road of peace. Number one, rejoice. The first thing we need to do is rejoice. Rejoice not in your circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. There is power in joy. When we rejoice, we are able to come to a place where we can approach conflict, anxiety, worry, etc. in a state of mind that allows for humility and grace to flourish rather than to to be defensive and judgmental joy causes us to stand on truth happiness is on the outside and it is only temporary joy is on the inside and it comes from jesus god is greater than anything that is happening today believe that god is in control if god is in control we are free to let all our anxieties and worries go When you believe that God is in control, you can't help but be filled with joy. Okay, number two, rejoice. (laughs) I say it again, rejoice. The second thing you need to do is rejoice. When you've rejoiced, do it all over again. The prefix re means with frequentive or intensive force to do again and again and again and again, okay? Get your praise music on, get yourself up off the couch and start to rejoice rejoicing or praise is agreeing with god's goodness when you don't feel like rejoicing the best thing you can do is rejoice lift your voice there's nothing that our god can't do right Amen. amen rejoice number three be gentle let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near Gentleness here is also patience, forbearance, meekness, and kindness, okay? And we need to be showing patience, forbearance, meekness, and kindness to everyone that we, we come into contact with, everyone, especially those that don't agree with us, okay? Keep them in, gen- your gentle spirit has to come across to everyone. The Lord is near. Paul is not standing on a street corner with a, with a sign saying, the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is near means He is here. His presence is always near. He is omnipresent. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him in truth. So rejoice. The Lord is near. We rejoice here Sunday mornings, by the way, in case you don't know. We do that. So, number four, be calm. Do not be anxious. To be anxious means to be full of mental distress because of fear of danger or misfortune. To be greatly worried. We're never worried, right? We're just concerned. Uh-huh. Synonyms <laughs> for anxious are concerned, disturbed, fearful, uneasy. We can feel these things every day. The opposite of anxious would be calm and confident. So do not be anxious. This is more of a command than a suggestion. Remember, God is still in control. And if he is control, is still in control, then there's no reason to be anxious about anything. Cast your cares upon the Lord. The word of God coming from your mouth, backed up by faith, is a powerful, powerful weapon against worry and anxiety. Worry is a choice. If you choose to worry, you are choosing to live without God's peace. Mm -hmm. Think about that. How much or how often are we worried? Oh, concerned, sorry. (laughs) Number five, pray and be thankful. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Prayer is surrender. It's admitting that we are not in control. Imagine that, not being in control. When you choose to pray, you are choosing peace. So pray, whether mental or private or public or ordinary or extraordinary, everything that's going on in your life is a great subject for prayer. And God is interested and concerned with it all. The King James Bible uses the word supplication instead of petition. Excuse me. Supplication is to plead humbly, earnestly asking God to do something. And when you pray, be thankful. Thankful for past and present mercies. Be thankful for what God has done. Be thankful for what he will do. Be thankful for who he is. When we pray with thanksgiving, we keep ourselves from whining and complaining. Present your requests to God, not to man. Not to a stranger, not to your best friend, to God. But when you present your request to God, present it as you would to your best friend, freely and fully pouring out your heart to Him. Number six, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And the peace of God, which transcends all all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace of God is the peace that never ends. It's everlasting peace. Peace of God is the peace that can only come from God. It's tranquility of mind. Peace that transcends all understanding of both worldly men and godly men. It does not mean that it is senseless or impossible to understand. It's just beyond our ability to explain, and therefore it has to be experienced. It is God, it's this godly peace that guards our hearts and our minds. When you're losing your mind over a matter, that often means there is an absence of peace in your life. Yes. Right? Yes. You're not allowing the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind. When you choose worry over faith, you cannot live in peace. Worry is an enemy of peace. We need the peace of God in our hearts to be able to glorify God. If we are anxious, fretting, and troubled, you cannot to any great great, uh, extent glorify God. When you operate in faithfulness, in trust, in confidence, when your mind is calm, then you can personally glorify God. So number seven, be conscious of your thoughts. It says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, we're all told to think think these things, right? But we need to meditate on these things. Seriously consider them, reason with yourself about them, and put them into practice. They are food for our minds, and we need to feed off of them. Think about the things you're thinking about. Think about the things you're thinking about. Do you know how to keep wrong thoughts out of your mind? Keep your mind filled with right thoughts. If if your thoughts are negative, so is your mouth. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. Think about good things and you'll think God thoughts. Submit your thoughts to God's thoughts. When you recognize what is praiseworthy, That invites us to praise the one who is near. Rejoice. This is a very practical way of bringing every thought captive and renewing our mind. Remember, the mind is the battlefield where flesh and spirit fight. Now, a lot of people will end it here, and they will say, oh, well, I should be in peace now. But they're not, because this next verse, verse nine, is imperative to your peace. So whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, just... Because I'm really going to get going now. (laughs) Number eight, this is incredibly important. Follow Paul's example. Paul is an, an example of all of these things. Follow Paul as he follows Jesus. We are called to be Christ-like, but often that seems impossible, given the nature of Christ. Christ was perfect, but Paul wasn't. Paul says he pressed on. That means he knows he has not arrived yet, and there is only one way to go, and that is forwards. So we need to be more like Paul, and we'll be more like Christ. Paul practiced what he preached. Paul knew peace, and he knew where it came from. Paul's letters begin with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Most commentaries will tell you that is just a greeting. Personally, I disagree with that. If, that. if it was just a greeting, Paul could have said God says hi. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Paul is actually stating that grace, which is our empowerment, and peace come from God. So what was Paul's secret to finding true peace? Well, Paul was content in every situation and circumstance. And that's no easy task, considering that Nero was the emperor of Rome at that time. Nero killed Christians for sport. He He covered them with the skins of wild beasts and let the dogs tear them apart. Or they were fastened to crosses and and set on fire in order to serve as torches by night. Christians were treated so bad that the non-Christians actually had pity on them. The non-Christians thought that they were being sacrificed, not for the common good, but to gratify the savagery of one man, and that was Nero. Like, Google him. He's an interesting character. (laughs) And for goodness sake, and we believe that we're being persecuted these days because we have to wear a mask? Come on, I would rather wear a mask to church than be set on fire and used as a light torch, right? So Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians. Now this prison is not like we have prisons today. There is absolutely no comforts of home. It was a cold, dark, damp cave. He was beaten, he was shackled, and yet he said he was content. It also says that he learned to be content. Being content is not natural. Contentment is something you have to learn. Contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Contentment can be described as a peaceful state of mind. It's being satisfied with what we have, whatever that may be. Now, Pastor Jerry posted this a while back. Contentment is something that is learned and also cultivated. It is an attitude of the heart. It has nothing at all to do with material possessions or even life circumstances. It has everything to do with being in the very center of God's will and knowing it. Contentment means finding rest and peace in God's presence. Nothing more and nothing less. It is trusting that God will meet all of our needs. So learn to stand confidently in knowing that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So now, contentment can also lead to complacency. To be complacent is to be satisfied with how things are and not wanting to change them. To be uninterested and indifferent. Paul never became complacent. Do not let your contentment become complacent. When we become complacent, we have settled, and we are now just moving through the emotions, and we are no longer pressing on. Paul studied, and he knew the word. How often has that been preached across this pulpit? Know your word. Get into the word. Paul prayed and spoke in tongues more than anyone. Paul had a deep, intimate relationship with Christ. Paul forgets the former things. He does not dwell on the past, and he had a past. He was instrumental in in killing the Christians at one time. He watched as Stephen was being stoned to death. He has a past, but he maintains a clear conscience. He repents. Paul has a mind controlled by the spirit and not by the things of the flesh. In Romans 8, 5, and 6, Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if your Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Paul disciplined himself rigorously. He trained to win. Paul made sure his body was the servant and his inner man was the master. He didn't allow his body to dictate his entire self. Paul doesn't allow persecution to stop him from following hard after Jesus. He pressed on. Paul relies on the Holy Spirit. He lives in the Spirit. Paul stayed focused on Christ. Paul preaches the same message that Jesus taught, so we know it's the truth. Just as a side note, Paul was a pastor to Timothy. Timothy was willing to teach and to do what Paul had taught him. He followed Paul as Paul followed Jesus. Timothy was willing, he was faithful, he was loyal, he gave quality service, and he had a spirit of excellence. Do we represent our pastors in the same way? Just the thought. Let's go back to verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So, whatever Paul did, publicly or privately, what he taught from the pulpit. Or in conversation what we see in his life what he exemplified that is what we need to practice if you do these things you can experience the same peace that paul had notice in verse seven it says the peace of god and now it says the god of peace what's the difference the peace of god is the peace that only god can give not the world god Mm -hmm. the god of peace on the other hand is his very presence he is the god of peace because he created it. He is the God of peace because he is the restorer of it. He is the God of peace because he preserves it. He is the God of peace because he will ultimately perfect and consummate his peace between all of his creatures and himself. God is the prince of peace. He is the great peacemaker, and therefore, he is the God of peace. You have to draw near to him to experience the peace. Peace is found through an intimate relationship with God. Peace is the reward of a mind stayed on God. It is God's desire to give us peace. The choice is ours. Refuse to allow ever-changing circumstances to determine your level of contentment. Rely upon the character of God that never changes. Even if your circumstances are not peaceful, you can still have peace. This is what Charles uh, Spurgeon had to say about peace. Beloved, when the Lord does speak peace to his people, what a peace it is. It is sound and it is safe. You may have as much of it as you will and suffer no harm. The peace of God is never presumptuous. It's a holy peace, and the more you have of it, the more you will strive to be like your Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. It is a peace which rules the heart and the mind and not merely the face and the tongue. It is a peace that will rise superior to circumstances. You may be very poor, but you shall find an inward wealth of contentment. You may be very lonely, but communion of, with God will bring you company. You may be very sick in body, but peace and, of soul enables a man to bear pain without complaining. There e- may even be a measure of depression of spirit about you. And yet an inward peace will enable to reason with yourself and say, Why art thou downcast, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? If God gives you peace, the devil cannot take it away. If God breathes peace into your soul, the roughest winds of earth or hell cannot blow it away. They that have ever enjoyed this peace will tell you that it is the dawn of heaven. Perfect peace brings a joy of which no tongue can fully tell. There is no war above, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are all reconciled to us. There is no war within, consciousness cleansed and the heart is relieved. There is no fear, even of the ark enemy below. He may grind his teeth at us, but he cannot destroy us. Even the world of nature is at peace with us. It is a deep peace, a high peace, a broad peace, and an endless peace is ours. <coughs> And that takes me to number nine, the last point, be still. God alone speaks true peace to the troubled soul. Jesus said to the storm, peace, be still. And the storm was still and it was peaceful. Jesus is capable of calming every single storm that we have brewing inside of us. And he, he wants to give us this peace. He did did ask the disciples, how is it that you have no faith? So I ask you, do you have the faith that it takes to sleep peacefully through your storm? Can you honestly say it is well with my soul? You have to have faith in order to have peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is steadfast because they trust in you. Do you trust him? God says, be still and know that I am God. So be still and let God give you peace. Church, I want to encourage you to get onto this road to peace. As difficult as it may seem with all the strife and all the indifference and everything that's going on these days, God still is in control. And he wants to give you peace. He desires to give it to you. You just need to search it out. So, Father, I pray for peace for everyone here in this congregation and everyone that's watching online. I thank you that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I thank you that we need not be anxious for any reason, because you have given us peace that transcends all understanding. Father, we love you, and we trust that you are the one true God, and you are the God of peace. Amen. Amen.